0: Welcome to Prep Talk, the Emergency Management Podcast. Find out what you need to know about preparedness, get all the latest tips from experts in the field, and learn what to do before the next disaster strikes. From the Emergency Management Department in the city that never sleeps, here are your hosts, Omar Bourne and Allison Fanisi.
1: Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening. I'm Omar Bourne.
2: And I'm Nancy Silvestri.
1: And you are our listeners, and as always, we thank you for joining us. We want you to come back as often as you can, so feel free to add Prep Talk to your favorite RSS feed. You can also follow us on social media on Twitter, at NYC Emergency MGT, Facebook, or Instagram.
2: On this episode of Prep Talk, Nelson Vaz, Warning Coordination Meteorologist at the National Weather Service joins us.
1: But uh, before Nelson comes in, it is time to give our listeners the latest hot topics in the emergency management field. Here's your Prep Talk Situation Report.
2: This is the Situation Report. Let's get started.
1: Thank you, Nancy. Uh, our first story here it is important to stay hydrated in the heat, but it may not be best to drink from plastic bottles exposed to higher temperatures. Most plastic items release a tiny amount of chemicals into beverages or food they contain. As temperature and time increase, the chemical bonds in the plastic increasingly break down and chemicals are more likely to leach. A study conducted by scientists at Arizona State University reported that water is contaminated in a shorter amount of time When stored in a plastic bottle on a hot day, according to industry group, the International Bottled Water Association, bottled water should be kept in the same conditions that consumers keep other groceries. So what's the bottom line? Is glass better than plastic? Yes, it is. The message should be to keep the water bottle in a bag or covered when not in use. Do not leave plastic bottles in a hot car as temperatures rise fast at this time of year. It is summertime. I have a plastic bottle. I have many plastic bottles, (laughs) actually, and I walk around and lose them all the time. So maybe this is a note for me to get a glass bottle, Nancy. What do you think?
2: I'd say go for the glass bottle, Omar. (laughs) (laughs) Our next story Uh, Dovetails on heat, and Mm -hmm. it's focused more on climate change, which affects everyone and may soon be affecting your wallet as well. Mm. Air passengers may have to pay an extra carbon charge on flights as part of the UK's initiative to reduce CO2 emissions and tackle climate change. The extra fees will be used to fund eco-friendly projects, like planting trees to reduce the carbon footprint. Government officials hope that the initiative will help consumers choose transit options that are environmentally friendly. Chris Grayling, the UK's transit secretary, said, Our focus remains to target the development, production, and uptake of zero-emission technology across all modes of transport. So be on the lookout for those extra fees.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm not happy about that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: great goals, though.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I have one more heat story for our listeners here, Nancy. If you think it's hot now, I got bad news for you. Just wait a few years because a new study by the Union of Concerned Scientists show that U.S. is in for more dangerously hot days over the next few decades. Take a wild guess, Nance. Why and what this is due to?
2: Could it be climate change?
1: You are correct. It is climate change. Now, the new report shows that temperatures around the world have been increasing for decades, mainly because of the burning of fossil fuels. So what does it mean? Well, the scientists state that on our current path, extreme heat days are poised to rise steeply in frequency and severity in just the next few decades. I am a summer baby. I've said it all the time. But when it starts to get extreme... uh, I don't know.
2: (laughs) There's a normal, normal pleasant summer day, and then there's just too hot to be outdoors.
1: Exactly, exactly. Still to come, we will be talking to Nelson Vaz from the National Weather Service. But first, here's a public service announcement from New York City Emergency Management and the Ad Council.
0: When is the best time to talk to your family about staying in touch during a disaster? When hurricane winds are gusting? When floodwaters reach your door, or a blizzard blocks all the roads, or is the best time perhaps today, during a disaster, you may not be able to stay in touch with your family or friends as easily as you think. Make your emergency plan today. Go to nyc.gov/readyny or call three one one. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by New York City Emergency Management and the Ad Council.
1: You're listening to Prep Talk, the Emergency Management Podcast. You are listening to Prep Talk, and we are back. And we have a special guest. And for our listeners, I just want to give you guys some insight because New York City Emergency Management, we work really closely with the National Weather Service. And Nelson Vaz, our guest, uh, is our meteorologist who we speak with on a, almost a daily basis. And this is the first time that Nancy and I are seeing Nelson in person. Uh, and so Nelson is like a celebrity to us <laughs> in the world of emergency management. So this is a big deal for us. Uh, so Nelson, thank you very much for being here.
3: Thank you, Omar. That's uh, that's a great introduction. And uh, you know, New York City emergency management, great partners with us, Omar and and Nancy. Um, you know, I appreciate uh, you guys always intently listening when we're providing you guys information, and we try to try to do the best so that uh, you guys can make the best decisions you need to. To help, uh, you know, the, the the people of New York City.
2: Great. Well, we are so happy to have you. We hear your voice, you know, day and night, with all sorts of weather updates, through <laughs> yeah. snowstorms and heat waves and everything in between. Uh, and we're happy scary. to share your voice with our listeners.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.
2: So, Nelson, you have a wealth of experience in the field of meteorology. What sparked your interest in the field and how did you get started?
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think with a lot of meteorologists, you know, including myself, it's just something uh, you're right when you're young, you have that passion, that interest in, in, in the weather um, and, and nature itself. Uh, you know, I was always kind of interested in, in, in the power of nature, uh, you know, seeing a thunderstorm, seeing a snowstorm, just, you know, just uh, what, you know, lightning, thunder. I and mean, as a kid, I mean, you can get scared real easily. Uh, you know, kind of seeing something and it's just, it's nothing we can control. So um, I think it, you know, it started with thunderstorms, then snowstorms, of course, all kids, you got like to get out of school. So, yeah. you know, having a day <laughs> off, uh, you know, in, uh, out of the school year, uh, that's always great. So I was like rooting for thunderstorms, but I think it was really uh, Hurricane Gloria in 1985 um, that, you know, that was the first first time I really heard about tropical storms and hurricanes. Mm-hmm. And I remember people telling me, uh, you know, even the day before, you got to get inside. You know, I was I was just kind of playing outside. I was ten years old, and they're like, you got to get inside as a hurricane comes. And you know, it kind of just scared me. But um, you know, when it actually did come through, the power of it, the heavy rain, uh, knocking down half the trees on our block. Um, you know, electricity was out for a couple days. Uh, just just that, you know, kind of that's you know, memory that lasted You know, as as a ten year old, and I think that just kind of you know really sparked it. You know, this is what I want to do mm-hmm. uh, when I get older. Is is uh, you know, work in the weather field, learn more about, you know, why is this, you know, you know, what's causing, you know, these type of like really, you know, Mother Nature to mm-hmm. have such, you know, such power and and, uh, and to be able to kind of knock down trees, like half the trees on your block. So, yeah, and that it kind of just grew from there, um, you know, and then, you know, how, how I got started is I actually had a, a real, I went to school for biology, uh, got a biology degree, you know, and kind of the reason my parents kind of pushed me in that direction. Um but uh you know I always had an interest in science, but as I got into the biology degree, finished my degree, started getting into the workforce, I'm like this isn't for me. You know, I uh, I wasn't passionate. Right. So I'm like, you know what? I know one thing that I am passionate is meteorology, so I went back to school after about a you know a couple of years after after graduating. I uh, got all my coursework done. Uh met a great professor at, at Stony Brook, uh, Brian Coley uh he kind of was a mentor to me. He uh you know, I did research with him, you mm-hmm. know, did did uh you know, took all the coursework, got volunteer uh job at the National Weather Service out in Brookhaven National Labs where you know, we are the Weather Service office for the tri-state region including New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh the you know, uh, the federal government agency, but basically got my foot in the door as a volunteer. Uh once I was done with all my coursework, got a job there as an intern. And I've been there for 16 years. Um, you know, worked my way up to a, a general forecaster, a lead forecaster, and now warning coordination meteorologist. So yeah, it's it's been a great uh, great ride, and uh, I'm I'm lucky to do something that I'm passionate about as a career. So very happy about that. So I
1: have a question because I see the meteorologists on TV all the time. <laughs> so I have to ask: uh, Were you ever interested in being on TV? For the news stations as a meteorologist
3: yeah you know a lot of people ask me that uh, i mean a lot of people don't even know you know they're like oh you work in the weather are you on you know what channel are you on right but, um you know we I, I i've always been a more laid-back personality more of an introvert mm-hmm. so uh tv was never you know not, not never something for me um so i was always more interested in the science aspect mm-hmm. and in, in terms of uh kind of being able to do cutting-edge science uh doing the real forecasting. Um I think the National Weather Service is, you know, that's 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 the place you want to be. So.
1: And if there's any consolation, biology was never my topic either. <laughs> so, I'm right there with you. I I always joke on the podcast that I only remember one thing from science and biology and is symbiosis, a symbiotic relationship. I say it all the time. That's the only thing I know. <laughs>
3: It was, it was worth the education. Yeah, there you go. Um,
1: but, you know, you talk about your experience. So what have you learned and how has those experiences shaped your outlook now and, and into the future when it comes to the weather and, and even climate change, meteorology in general?
3: Yeah, you know, I mean, um, I mean, the big thing for as a meteorologist and, you know, for myself is is that you know, it, once you think you know everything in meteorology, I've uh, been here sixteen years, which is not not a long time. There's meteorologists who've been there thirty, forty years. Um, you feel like, all right, I'm comfortable. I know, you know, I see this pattern coming up. I see the models are showing me this. This mm-hmm. is what's going to happen. And once you get overconfident, you, you, you know, weather weather forecasting will quickly humble you. Um, it's just, I'm I'm amazed actually. You know, the precision we can forecast with these days, right. you know, the potential for thunderstorms, where the most likely, you know, thunderstorms are, even a, you know, winter storm to have a 20, 30 mile uh, track difference or, or a tropical storm, 30, 40 mile track difference, you know, say out 24 hours, mm-hmm. is pretty remarkable where you look where we were 20 years ago. But, you know, even with that said, you kind of feel, oh, we got this confidence and we can really hit it. Um, and I, I think once you get overconfident, you can be quickly humbled because, you learn that uh you know mother nature the atmosphere is very very chaotic you know just little differences um you know things say on the west coast um you have a little difference in maybe where low pressure is um you know maybe where a disturbance is up uh, really high in the atmosphere and that could change where a storm is going to occur two days and you know two days later and just a little shift in a in a storm um could mean the difference between 12 inches of snow here in New York City mm-hmm. or maybe 1 inch of rain and you know no snow and we've seen that where it's it's a very a very difficult uh, thing to forecast. So it's a constant learning process each you know I I I've been through tropical you know uh, hurricane Sandy, uh tropical you know tropical storm Irene, uh you know Floyd uh, you know numerous blizzards you know thunderstorms so each one you you learn from them uh you're constantly doing training constantly doing research uh you never you never want to be complacent that oh i, I you know i i kind of I've, I've done this for 20 years i know what's going to happen so it's it's just constantly learning and and that's and and improving so mm-hmm. i think you know um sandy was a great example you know we we had a really good forecast we felt confident that all right, we can we can provide this information to our partners, you know, what's going to happen to the public and this was, you know, the meteorological community as a whole. But we quickly found that all right, we even though we had a good forecast what the water level was, we didn't have all the tools we needed to communicate what the impacts were going to be. Right. So since then, we've done a, a tremendous amount of work. It's just an example. So you got to continue to push uh continue to push the science, continue to push the um you know, the work with your partners, the education and, and having those tools to properly, you know, communicate uh what what impacts are gonna be. So it's uh yeah, it's just never sitting still. Continue to train and learn and uh you know, do that research and, and uh and, and that education to improve.
2: Well, I think you have one of the hardest jobs <laughs> around. You know, as you mentioned, a little shift in a storm can make a big difference in the forecast. And and does that make New York a uniquely challenging place to work as a meteorologist?
3: Oh, you know, certainly. Um, you know, New York City, you have, uh, you have all four seasons. So you know, we we have you know winter winter weather, and you guys th- this past winter, you know, it was even though it wasn't a, a busy winter, uh, kind of started off with a bang, in, in terms of uh, you know, just a uh, you know even smaller storms can have major impacts. Yeah. Um, you know, summertime we get thunderstorms, we get heat waves, uh, we have the ocean. So we have, you know, we even, we do things like, uh, forecast rip currents, you know, we do right. marine forecasts, uh, and then this, you know, the, uh, tropical season. So we got to worry about hurricanes. Um, you know, so it's, it's just the whole gamut of weather. Um, so yeah. And, and the, you know, the big thing for us is we're one of the, we are the, you know, the largest metropolitan area in New York city. So, I mean, in, in this New York city, you know, tri-state region here. So it's just um, the implications of even what you would think maybe benign weather or, you know, just not not that uh, impressive a storm, say Mm -hmm. somewhere else in the country here, it can have major impacts. And that's that's the reason why we work with you guys so closely is try and communicate what those uh, what those hazard or impacts are going to be, even if they might be deemed, you know, not uh, not not that significant. It could have significant impacts in the city.
2: Absolutely. And we and we find our partnership so valuable because. You know, we're interested in a lot of those granular level details. You know, our city is only a couple miles across, you know, for example, in, in the entire borough of Manhattan. Um, and it's it's challenging, you know, I think, on a, you know, for meteorologists to be able to provide us with such specific forecasts and answer very, very detailed questions we have. And, you know, you and your, <coughs> and your colleagues at the National Weather Service are always able to do that for us. And that helps us to prepare and really easy impacts for New Yorkers when things do happen. So it is an invaluable service. Um, despite the challenges of yeah. certainly of, of doing that,
3: yeah. no, I appreciate it, Nancy and we. Uh, you know, I think we appreciate you guys keeping us on our toes and uh, <laughs> keeping us honest. And yeah, we we uh, the, we're striving to always get better. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Wonderful.
1: Yeah, um, and we're in hurricane season, as you know. Uh, I'm going to get to heat, but I want to talk about hurricanes for a little bit. Um, you guys had the outlook, so where are we now with what we can expect? Uh, for the Atlantic hurricane season.
3: Yeah. Uh, right now it's so the Atlantic hurricane season. Um, so the the Climate Prediction Center and the National Hurricane Center. Um, you know they look at larger scale patterns mm-hmm. to come up with an outlook. Uh, in the in May, uh, each year, and then actually they are going to be updating it uh, mid to late August here. But right now it's uh, you know, the May prediction was for basically a normal season in terms of uh, mm-hmm. activity, uh, in the tropical Atlantic, which means about 12 uh, name storms, uh, six of them, uh, which, uh, could be hurricanes and three major hurricanes. So, um, you know, and that's, that's generally near normal activity. And kind of the reason there's some competing factors, uh, you may have heard about, uh, El Nino, uh, yeah. which is, uh, kind of, it's, it's, a, it's, we've been in a weak El Nino pattern, at least we were in May. We have some warmer waters in the Eastern Pacific, that feeds back to the atmosphere, and you have uh, less uh, favorable conditions in terms of winds over the uh, tropical Atlantic, where these uh, tropical storms develop. So that's kind of been uh, the forecast and inhibiting factor. The one thing we have seen is uh, actually we've gone into now a neutral state. Um, so we'll see how the the uh, update in August how that might affect things, because if it may make things a little more favorable in that area. Right. But it, you know, with that forecast initially, it was. Um, a slightly unfavorable wind, wind pro, um, winds in that area because of uh, El, a weak El Nino, but a competing factor was you had uh, expectation of a little bit above normal uh, sea surface temperatures, which are the fuel for tropical storms in the tropical Atlantic area. So they were kind of going to offset each other right. uh, in terms of one, you know, promoting development of tropical or more development of tropical systems versus one inhibiting it. And so that's the reason why it was kind of a normal season. Mm -hmm. But we'll see, um, you know, the initial forecast, we'll see if it gets updated in August because of, uh, uh, you know, slightly more favorable wind conditions with that warmer water, whether there may be a slight uptick um, in terms of the forecast. But, you know, the one thing uh, to uh, remember is, you know, no matter if you have a, uh, you know, an, an active season that's you know, it's, it's only an outlook and it, no matter if it's an active season that's forecast or an inactive season, it really it only takes one uh, tropical storm or hurricane uh, to to make it an active season for our region. Um, you know, it just uh, I think so. It, it's keeping keeping right now is the time to prepare. And it's just keeping uh, keeping, you know, um, you know, listening to weather forecasts, listening to to National Weather Service forecasts, you know, which is a media through New York City Emergency Management. Um, You know, just knowing what's going on and, uh, you know, once you're prepared, if something's going to be approaching, that's when you want to start taking, you know, taking some action and then really paying attention to what your uh, emergency management community and New York City emergency management is telling you to do.
1: And I I like that you said that it only takes one because we say that all the time here. And for our listeners, whether you're in New York, whether you're in the Caribbean, uh, wherever you may be in Miami, you know. It only takes one storm. So mm-hmm. prepare, make a plan, know your risks, whether or not you live in a flood zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have uh, zones here in New York City. We have a know your zone campaign uh, and then stay informed through through social media, through your local weather forecast, your local emergency management department. Really, these three steps you should take to make sure that that you are prepared because It only takes one storm and that could be devastating.
2: Absolutely. And speaking of preparedness, Nelson, what does the National Weather Service do to prepare for hurricane season? And and what do you do when you start to see a storm forming?
3: Yeah. um, So I I think it's it's basically a year round effort in in terms of preparing. um, You know, National Weather Service, and just like Emergency Imagine, our our mission is protection of life and property. We do it through our forecasts, you know, accurate and timely forecasts. and then, providing that information to you guys, so you guys can you know take on that uh you know your role in terms of protection of life and property um but you know it, so first thing it starts with is really in the off season is the education and outreach mm-hmm. um letting you know and and we try to do as much outreach we can, especially with our emergency management community um whether you know hurricane talks you know doing doing a presentation what the what the outlook is gonna be but really what are what are some of the hazards and impacts? That are possible in this area you know from tropical storms we have some recent memory uh with uh, with sandy of course I mean devastating effects in terms of storm surge um but one of the things you know was that a worst case scenario and what we've seen you know and going back in history uh looking at the science of it, it's not necessarily a worst case scenario um you know we we've looked back you know back in the past and, you know it, her, you know sandy. It was a hurricane at one point. It came in as we, we called it a superstorm. It actually came into southern uh, New Jersey. It was weakening to a tropical storm, but also turning into a type of a nor'easter. So it was kind of uh, that combined effect had, you know, it brought a lot of storm surge to the area. But in terms of a true hurricane, we haven't seen that in a while. And I think that's what we have been trying to push to our emergency management and the public is it's been since 1985, like I was talking about earlier. Uh, that we saw Hurricane Gloria, which was um, where you're, you're talking about 74 mile per hour sustained winds. You know that that type of wind force, uh, a Category One, and it's been since the mid 1950s since we've seen a Category Three hurricane, where you're talking about 100 and you know 111, 115 mile per hour winds or greater. So um, I think you know it, people have a you know a sense, all right, in terms of what what storm surge can do but if we if we do have the unfortunate you know and and it only takes one storm again to see a category 1 2 or especially a 3 hurricane come up into this area we really have to watch out for um what could be the you know the wind impacts that we have and most people don't have any kind of sense with almost double the wind speed uh, of a of a sandy or an irene which you know and one thing that's interesting about that you double the wind speed that's actually eight times the wind power Wow. It's not not just a kind of a linear relationship, um, you know, ex, You know, heavy rainfall, say you know, getting about 15, 20 inches of rainfall in New York mm-hmm. City, like they saw with Florence last year. Mm-hmm. That's not out of the possibility. You can see that type of rainfall up in here with a slow moving on uh, e- even like a tropical storm. Um, and then, you know, storm surge, of course, what we saw with Sandy was was devastating uh, anywhere four to six feet. Of inundation, parts of Manhattan, you know, the the five boroughs and Staten Island, six to eight feet. But there is potential with a stronger, you know, a stronger, you know, say a Category Three hurricane taking a similar route as Sandy uh, to see double that type of inundation. And you know, and and as Omar was talking about, there's been a lot of work since uh, since Sandy in terms of talk you know talking about these these type of um, you know uh, hazards and and potential impacts. Uh, New York City, you know, redid uh all the storm surge zones, the evacuation zones, mm-hmm. and that's to take in the latest science in, in terms of uh what potential storm surge there is and and those those flooding impacts. So, uh that in addition to all the different products that have been um uh that with with the Hurricane Center National Weather Service has developed um, you know, the a lot of the probabilistic information, you know, from which we have um, these inundation mapping products showing you what a, a worst case scenario is potentially for, uh, with with a with an individual storm approaching, of what the you know worst case potential inundation could be. We have the storm surge watch warning to to highlight the public. All right, this is a this is a threat, uh, either the potential or the or the expectation of life threatening flooding. So you're talking about three feet or more. Uh, we have products uh, such as the. Um, arrival of tropical storm force wind, the earliest arrival and most likely arrival. This helps the emergency management community uh, for those high-risk populations where we need to get, you know, them to safety as early as possible and before even the earliest threat of uh, tropical storm force winds are. That type of product will help. And then you want to get all your pre- you know, preparations done uh, before the most likely expected tropical storm. So those are just some examples of the products, but that's is. This is kind of what we do in our outreach and education. And then once we get into the, once we get into the, if there is a storm out there, the Hurricane Center is taking a look at the big picture, what the track of the storm is. And Mm -hmm. you guys, most of you know about the storm track. Uh, You follow that uh, black line, the skinny black line, and then you have the forecast cones, which show the uncertainty. And that's based on kind of forecast errors um, that the Hurricane Center keeps track of. Now, you know, out five days, if that if that forecast cone is going to have and that's just the center of the storm where that's forecast, not the impacts around it. But if that forecast cone is is getting you know close to New York City, that's when you know, we're already probably keeping you guys uh, you know, in tune, you know, maybe a week in advance. And, and with the you know, we talk to you guys once or twice a day, at least mm-hmm. we might be kind of just giving you a heads up maybe a, a week or two in advance. But, once we get into that uh, hundred and twenty hour five day period, uh that's when we really ramp up with with all right, we have all these products, but it's a lot for you for emergency management you guys you guys need the information in a way that you can make decisions quickly, so that's where our decision support services um you know really where we do our weather weather briefings, where it be powerPoint briefings email briefings, our weather consults, our webinars, where we'd start that you know five six days in advance. Uh, and multiple times a day, basically give me the latest information on the storm, um, you know, kind of uh, deciphering the products for you and really trying to streamline all the information. What are the hazards and impacts going to be in terms of wind, um, you know, uh, storm surge, rainfall, uh, even even say tornadoes and how are those impacts? And, you know, hopefully some preparedness information that we've already been doing through the season. It kind of all comes together, the, you know, the partnership, you know, the, the latest in the science. Uh, to get that information, you guys make the right decisions, and then hopefully the public can be ready and responsive. So, that's uh, it's a it's a lot that goes into it. Uh, it's a it's a year-round uh, process, but uh, I think having partners like New York City, um, who are who are very, um, you know, cutting edge in, in terms of you know wanting to be prepared, you know, for hazardous weather, and you know, uh, I think that makes our job easier. Is that we have an attentive you know, partner, who's going to respond correctly?
2: Well, we we gear up and look forward to our weather updates as soon as we know what time we're going to touch base with you guys. We have dozens and dozens of city agencies and literally hundreds of people, oh, yeah. um, who hold their calendars and anxiously await the latest information and the latest products uh, from your office to really help us start to get everything into motion uh, to deal with whatever hazard that we uh, that we're coming up with and. Your, your new weather products that you were speaking about, the inundation maps and, and all of the uh, hurricane-related product products are so helpful um, for us on the emergency management side. And just being able to map that out and really get a sense of where the impacts are and, and what we can tell the public and what we can do to help them prepare and to help the city um, get through these events um, more quickly—it's um, hugely impactful for the work that we do. And um, so we are deeply grateful to you guys for working so closely with us and doing so much to inform us uh to help us, you know, make the best decisions we can uh based on those forecasts for the, the people in the city.
3: Yeah, thank you. And we look to uh you know continue the great partnership we've had and you know continue to uh, continue to improve.
1: So I want to take a look at heat uh for a little bit. because uh, uh, we are in summer and we've had some intense heat thus far. So we read earlier in our sit rep that we could see some more days of this kind of intense dangerous heat can you inform our listeners about that and then just some of the quick tips that people can take to be prepared for heat because i feel like people may underestimate heat and the dangers that are associated with it
3: yeah um yeah so uh, you know in terms of the kind of the first part in ter- in terms of seeing more days of heat um you know it we we ha- there is evidence that uh, over the last uh, at least you know for us in terms of the last 100 years looking at global temperatures mm-hmm. there has been an increase you know we we're, we're kind of hitting on almost you know top 5 every year uh in terms of global temperatures uh you know I- increasing so uh, that's you know in, in terms of weather and that's you take that on a global scale a lot of that may be um you know that's that's kind of generalized over the whole earth so where we concentrate more is on you know the weather going on for the week mm-hmm. and you know in terms of that there are going to be variations we saw you know last year um we didn't uh, last year we didn't have any 100 degree days but you know this year we we got two so it, it's more when you kind of go down to the 7 day you know level mm-hmm. it is more kind of a localized it's hard to make kind of um uh i guess jumps or conclusions from you know, uh, looking at kind of a small period of record, say a hundred, hundred and fifty years, in terms of increase in global temperatures, whether that's having a direct impact on say like a heat wave today. Right. Okay. Um, the biggest uh, correlation that they have seen in the research is global increase in global temperature um, having an increase in potential for extreme rainfall. Mm. But um, you know, it it, it there is going to be um, you know some link, but in terms of temperatures. But exactly where that's gonna occur, you know, when that occur. It could be more warmer winters, but uh I'll take not that. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, not necessarily like warmer summers or right. some some parts of the area. So, um, but you know, with that being said, you know, we're in we're in an area that uh every every summer we're gonna have the potential for, you know, extreme extreme heat. Um, I think t- two thousand the early two thousand tens, we've had we had multiple years where uh, we saw the five boroughs, you know, reaching hundred degree temperatures, um, at least for a, a day or two, and then also, you know, heat waves. So, um, you know, that um, that potential is going to continue, you know, with us uh, for the years to come. So, something to something to kind of keep an eye on. And then, you know, with that being said, um, you know, so what are some of the tips? I I think, um, you know, this this past kind of uh, couple of days showed in, in terms of, uh, you know, just the sensitivity. You know, people may not take the heat as seriously because, it, you know, it does get hot in the summer in, in, in the city. But uh, you you can kind of just see it in terms of the demand on the on the power grids. And, and mm-hmm. so in terms of giving early heads up, I think that's where we can play a part in, in providing that information um, in terms of staying safe. Uh, you know, at first, if you can stay indoors as much as possible in, in air conditioned areas, um, that's that's kind of I think the key, you know, kind of staying outside. I mean, staying inside. Uh, drinking as much as fluids as possible, uh, really important. I think uh, if you do have to, and and the one thing is you want to check on, especially the elderly, uh, the young, the 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 infirmed. Um, do are they? Uh, is their air conditioning working? Do they have all the proper fluids? Are they are they staying cool? Because they are the most susceptible to heat, even if they are staying inside. So mm. that's uh, I think that's very important. Uh, if you have to work outside. Um, take as many breaks as possible Wear lightweight, light colored clothing, you know, I'm trying to reflect the, uh, as much heat off as possible, uh, drink as many, you know, drink as much fluid as you can take as many breaks as possible. Mm-hmm. It's really important. And I think, uh, you know, I, I think we've seen it unfortunately over the last, uh, several years is, you know, in vehicles, never, never forget your, your, your children, uh, pets, uh, you never want to, you know, lock them lock them in the car, lock them in, you know, vehicle and leave them even for 15, 20 minutes. I mean, you can get like an oven in there, you know, very quickly. Um, And, and, you know, that that can be deadly. So I I think those are, you know, those are some of the, some of the tips, I think that in terms of, uh, you know, really to kind of, kind of heat and, you know, just, just try and, uh, you know, summers in the city are going to be hot, but, you know, just uh, take it slow, you know, drink, keep hydrated. And 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 try and stay cool, and, and remember to check check on the kids, check on the elderly, um, and uh, you know enjoy you know that's part the it, it, heat in the summer, but there is uh you want to try and enjoy uh enjoy the the short summers we have because uh, they can be you know really good time to to take advantage of the city.
1: Mm-hmm. And a heat wave is uh, three days of ninety degree weather, correct? Correct,
3: yeah, or- and it, it you know it's for us that's three days of ninety degrees, um, you know three consecutive days, but um. You know, it, you go down to Texas, three days, 90 degrees. Is, Normal. It, it, that's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's more like three months of 90 degrees. So uh, that's at least for us what a heat wave we we define it as.
2: So we've talked a lot about different hazards today from heat to hurricanes. Um, so many things for you to think about over the course of your, your forecasting time. Right. So what would you say keeps you up at night?
3: Yeah, I you know, I think for for us it's um you know, for me and I think for you know, Ross Dickman who's our meters in charge and all our forecasters it's it's really um you know, those life threatening type of you know, weather weather hazards, you know, whether it be extreme heat or I think really on a on a on a bigger scale it's these tropical systems, you know, like the next Sandy um you know, the next you know, say a 1938 hurricane, you know, category 3 type hurricane where A lot of lives are at at risk because of hazardous weather. is Is making sure that we are, you know, like we're doing with the the tropical or or a lot of these other uh, weather hazards. Is that year round we're 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 providing that education and outreach. We're making sure that the science is improving, and that's that's kind of a given. The science is improving, so you know, better science doing that research, so that the forecasts are going to get better. But also doing that um, that outreach, that education, working with our partners knowing what's, you know, what's the, uh, what are the critical thresholds for you guys? You know, what are your action, you know, action timelines? What are your, um, action, uh, you know, thresholds that, uh, we, we can provide you that latest information, that best information, but in the right format, right, uh, you know, right time, uh, in the right manner. So you guys can make those decisions. So I, I think it's, it's a it's constant process of just kind of thinking, you know, um, uh looking at the past but also thinking, all right, what is something that we haven't seen in a while that people aren't prepared for, the public's not prepared for, um, that could pose a significant threat to life. And how do we how do we work best with our emergency management partners to to help them make the decisions to keep, you know, keep keep the uh keep our c- communities safe. Yeah.
1: And and I like that you talk about communities and education and keeping people safe because at the end of the day, that's what meteorology is about uh in concert or in tandem with emergency management Mm -hmm. helping to inform people teach them about not only the risks and the hazards but what they can do to stay safe when we do face extreme weather so we appreciate your work nelson we appreciate you taking the time out to be here with us on this episode and we have the fun part of the episode i mean it's all been fun but uh we have our rapid response where we ask you a few simple questions, and you give us the first answer that comes to mind. This is, this is, as I said, the fun part. Even though the entire episode has been fun.
3: Yeah, <laughs> no, definitely, it's been a good experience. And uh, yeah, I so saw. I, I, I um, looking forward to this. Uh, yeah, you know, this part, the rapid Q and A. So. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be
1: good.
0: It's time for Prep Talk Rapid Response.
2: All right, let's start with the first question. What is one emergency item you cannot live without?
3: Yeah, I mean, we're just talking about hydration, heat, uh, water, water. I think that's, uh, that's essential for life. And I think, uh, you know, just anytime, you know, we talk about preparedness, you want to make sure water is one thing you have for any kind of weather situation.
2: What about what are your hobbies?
3: um hobbies uh, you know i, I have uh, three kids so you know just just having fun with the kids but you know part of that you know staying fit you know working out sports uh, you know basketball uh tennis uh football that's kind of things that uh, and i can do that with the kids and, and landscaping that's uh I live out uh, in eastern Long Island, so I, I do have the fortunate, you know, I'm fortunate to have some property where, you know, I can do, uh, you know, some mowing the lawn and, you know, uh, landscaping and stuff. So that's that's kind of my hobbies. Yeah.
1: I like that. What's, what's your favorite basketball team?
3: <sighs> New York Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Looking forward. Let's see. Let's see what happens. We didn't get Durant. We didn't get Kyrie, but let's see what happens.
1: Yeah. You have a... a, a... Some nice young pieces exactly. in Dennis Smith Jr. and Mitchell Robinson. So you know the future is bright for all the New York Knicks <laughs> fans. So stay patient, and you'll get there. I'll, I'll stay
3: in patient. For- yeah, yeah, for a long time, <laughs> stay right? Been patient for a while. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> It'll come. Uh, what is your favorite disaster movie?
3: You know, of course, it's got to be meteorology related. Uh, it was, it's Twister. Um, I, I think, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, um, there's probably been a lot of like weather type movies, but I, I thought Twister, I, you know, as, as a meteorologist, you're always a critique, you know, does this, this stuff doesn't make sense. You know, this is, that's <laughs> not possible, but Twister, even though, you know, some of it was exa- exaggerated, um, it did have, you know, some, 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 it kept true to the science in some aspects. So, uh, I, and I, I thought that was a great movie for its time, you know, it, it was, <laughs> and it still, uh, still holds true, so.
1: Justin, our producer, for our listeners, when you said Twister was churning in the background. (laughs) I guess he's a big fan of Twister. Uh, Yes, he gives me the thumbs up. So that's a yes. (laughs) Now, there are some um, kind of preparedness phrases that we use in emergency management and meteorology. You know, turn around, don't drown uh, is one of them when it roars stay indoors so what is your favorite uh phrase
3: yeah i mean that's a couple of good ones you know i'm i've always been a beach person grew mm-hmm. up on long island love the beach and so rip currents uh you know that's that's a big thing for me in terms of you know part of the education outreach we do so mm-hmm. break the grip of the rip ah, i think that's uh that's a, that's ah. a good one for me and i i know um you know that's that's uh again another thing in the summer uh with the heat you know, we have a lot of you know, younger kids or, or people who may not be too familiar with the you know, with the beach and the, the hazards. But I think uh, one of the important things for us is remember break the grip of the rip. You know, if you're gonna go to the beach, stay stay in areas that are lifeguarded because if mm-hmm. you don't know how to swim, um, you can easily uh, you can easily get taken out by by a rip current, right. and you know you you're basically not prepared for you're in an unfamiliar environment, and it's easy to to kind of you know, get injured or even lose your, you lose your life. So I think, uh, it's, it's important to, for anybody going out to the beach, um, you know, stay in lifeguarded areas and follow the advice of, of your beach officials. And, uh, you know, if you do, if you do get stuck, uh, make sure you kind of, as soon as you kind of feel like you're, you're kind of losing it, you know, call for call for help and, you know, try to if you can try to float and if you, you can make your finally make your way back to shore. But, uh, yeah, I think that's an important one for me.
2: Those are great tips for our listeners this mm-hmm. summer. Uh, Nelson, some of the work that you do in one word.
3: Uh, i'm gonna say challenging it's just uh i think as we've been talking about it's it's uh you know just the seasons we have just the um you know the type of weather that even just small changes in in the, in in weather a uh, storm track uh temperatures can have huge implications on you know weather in our area because we have the ocean right next to us that really uh, kind of plays a, a moderator in in, in our uh, uh our weather and um yeah i, I mean and just the fact the tri-state region here was such a populated uh, area. It's just little, you know, even even subtle, 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 subtle weather phenomenon. You think may not have a big impact in other areas. Here, with millions of people, uh, can have huge impact. So it's just it's a challenge, but uh, mm-hmm. that's what keeps this job interesting. And uh, I think for all of us, uh, all of us, you know, we're we're passionate as meteorologists and you know as civil servants. Try to do our best. Uh, you know, sometimes forecast may not uh, end up perfect, but I, I think it's not um, it's not out of the lack of trying and uh, and you know learning from each, each one of these events to get better the next time.
2: I can say from working with you over the course of many years that you have one of the most hardworking teams mm-hmm. I've ever, ever seen. Um, morning, noon, and night, and especially when there's any kind of weather on the horizon that may be dangerous for New Yorkers, um, you are nonstop and it is greatly appreciated. By those of us who rely on you to, to help keep us safe.
3: Yeah. yeah, appreciate it, guys.
1: Thank you for being here.
3: Thank you very much. This is great, guys. Thanks. Thanks,
2: Nelson.
0: That's this episode of Prep Talk. If you like what you heard, you can listen anytime online or through your favorite RSS feed. Until next time, stay safe and prepared.